everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast with the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and really glad that you have joined us. And we are in a series where we are looking at um, systematic theology, things that are really important for us to believe. We've talked about these different categories, things that are absolutely essential even to being a Christian, substitutionary atonement, kind of the nature of what Jesus' death on the cross means, the person of Jesus, who God is, sin, these kinds of things. We've also spent some time talking about some things that are really just kind of foundational to to Christian living. You may you may not understand them at first, but you need to understand them. And we spent some time talking about the authority of the Scripture and how it is important for us to recognize when we read the Scripture, we are reading the authoritative Word of God. And so, one of the things we're talking about today that I think is I think it falls into that same category. What we believe about this is, I mean, it's it's foundational. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit today and to really understand the importance and the power and the significance of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is is foundational to our Christian living. Now, we will talk about this, and there's some controversial issues that can come up when you're talking about the Holy Spirit. And some of those things, I think, will work their way into, it's important for you to understand this, but as far as you as a follower of Christ, understanding who the Holy Spirit is and his work and purpose in your life, I believe that this is foundational to our walk with God. And so as we think about who the, the person of the Holy Spirit is, there's, there's a phrase that I want to use, and it's, and, it's, and it's really simple, but even though it's only three words, and you know, actually it's um, seven letters, there's a lot of significance in, in this. And when we think about the Holy Spirit, I want you to hear it this way. The Holy Spirit, He is God. Now, I want you to think less about the masculine pronoun, He, but more think about it in the terms of a personal pronoun. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit, I used He, not It. Um, It is really important for, for us to understand the difference between that the Holy Spirit is a person versus the Holy Spirit is a force. Now, um, so what makes something a person? I mean, essentially, you know, there's the, we've talked about this before. I mean, there's, there's the difference between what makes someone a person versus a dog, like a a dog, you know, I mean, it can be, you know, it's, it's cute. It's fun. It's got personality, but the thing that distinguishes humans from dogs, you know, that you have a soul, that you have a spirit. Really, with, with, with the Holy Spirit, um, the distinction that I want to make is like, what is the difference between a person and the force? And I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan at all, but I think very often we think about the Holy Spirit. Almost, some of us get our theology, I think, from Star Wars, that the Holy Spirit is some force that acts on the universe and is not a person per se. And so if I were to say, hey, you need to be motivated by the love of God, I'm not telling you that the love of God is a person. It is a characteristic of God. Now, if I say that the Holy Spirit is talking to you, I'm not talking about, you know, some attribute of God, some force of God, some work of God. We're talking about a, a person. And if you will recall back to our discussion on the Trinity, we talked about this. We talked about personhood. A person has a will. A person has emotions. 
And we see that with the Holy Spirit. I mean, all throughout, you know, the scriptures talk about the will of the Holy Spirit. Paul also talks about that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. At the baptism of Jesus, we see the Father speaking from heaven. We see Jesus getting baptized in the water. And we say the Spirit, distinct from both of those, coming down like a dove on top of Jesus. And so we have the Holy Spirit is distinct from God the Father, is distinct from Jesus, and has his own will and has his own personality, has emotions in which he can be grieved. And so it's important for us to understand that we're not talking about just simply an emotion, a work, a force of some kind that comes from God, but someone as a person who is distinct from God the Father and distinct from Jesus. And if that is in any way confusing or unsettling or weird to you, I can really at this point only encourage you to go back to our podcast where we talked about the Trinity, where we talked specifically more about personhood and how there can be three persons of the Trinity that are all distinct from one another, but yet there's one God. And so we talk about that. And it's important for us to remember that for those of you who do, that the Holy Spirit is a person, which again is different than human. I reference you back to that original pot. But in our phrase too, he is God. The Holy Spirit is as a distinct person, again, that Jesus says, I'm going to send out, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, that that the Holy Spirit is God. And, And your primary passage for that comes from the book of Acts in the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And in the story of Ananias and Sapphira, we've got this man and woman who everybody's selling pieces of property and donating the proceeds to, to the church. And Ananias and Sapphira do the same thing, but instead of giving the whole, uh, the whole proceeds, they hold some of it back, which the Bible never says that that's a bad thing. The thing that's bad is, is that they, they lie about it. They, they say, they tell them, hey, this is what it totally sold for. I mean, they could have come to Peter and been like, hey, this sold for $1,000 and here's 500. I mean, like, good job, man. Good job. I mean, you kept 500. I mean, and Peter might've said, well, that's not as good as you could do, but I mean, at least you're honest. But Ananias, he lies about it to Peter and he drops dead right there on the spot. And then they, they hide the body, which this is such a creepy story. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm embarrassed for bringing it up, but it's just a creepy story. They hide the body. And about three hours later, his wife comes in and is like, Hey, tell me how much did you uh, sell that land for? And she's like, Oh, we sold it for uh, 500. Knowing, you know, that knowing that that was a lie. And then Peter says this, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. And then she drops dead as well. And it's, and it's a very, it's a very scary kind of story that just basically then says, okay, and it just kind of freaked everybody out. But what Peter says to Ananias at the, when he is the first one to lie says this, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept from yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. And so what he's making a distinction here is like, hey, you're not just lying to us as the apostles, you're lying to God. And in saying that he lied to God, he's referencing back to what he says, what has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? And so what Peter is saying here is when you lie to the Holy Spirit, you are lying to God. 
And you can say, well, it's because he's the spirit of God and he comes from God. And it's again, that's back force material. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is a distinct person from the Father, distinct from Jesus. And here we have Peter saying that lying to the Holy Spirit is lying to God. You are lying to a person and that person is God. And I believe that that is really important for us to understand because when we start talking about the Holy Spirit's voice in your life, as we start talking about the things that the Holy Spirit can do or will do in your life, you need to understand what we're talking about is this is the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is talking to you. The Holy Spirit is in you. All of these phrases, we need to have it in our in our brain, a couple of things. We're talking about the actual, a, a person of the Trinity. We're talking about God. And we're also talking about, again, not a human, but a person, someone with emotions, someone with will, someone who wants to know us, someone who wants to help us, who is motivated, who who loves, who cares. We're not, it's not some force for good. It's not your conscience. Um, this is This is a person who cares about you, and we're talking about God. And when I say the Holy Spirit lives in you, we're talking about the very power and presence of the God of the universe lives inside you. So the theology of understanding who the Holy Spirit is, he's a person and he is God himself. But so that that's that's kind of this, this piece of theology. But then the next piece of theology is like, okay, well, that's how I understand who the Holy Spirit is. But I think that even the an equally significant piece of theology is to understand what is the role? What does the Holy Spirit do? And to give a little background, a little history here, you'll see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. You see him from the very beginning in Genesis 1, hovering over hovering over creation as God the Father is creating. And we'll find out later in Colossians that it was Jesus who was doing the creating. And we see between Genesis and, and Colossians that the Holy Spirit Jesus and the Father were all involved. And we, so we see the Holy Spirit there. And we'll see the Holy Spirit also from time to time insert himself into, in, in, into um, different people's lives. Like the Holy like Saul, the king, Saul the king was full of the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden he wasn't full of the Holy Spirit. And then, and then David is full of the Holy Spirit. Moses is full of the Holy Spirit. We see this from time to time that the Holy Spirit... Um, comes and and indwells somebody, but then he may or may not leave them. It was something that was not for everyone, and it was something that was temporary. And so what we have then with Jesus is that he is going to do something very different. And in John 14, when he's talking to his disciples, he says this, John 14, starting in verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or counselor to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And so what, what, what Jesus is saying here is that, hey, I'm, I'm going to leave, but something really good is going to happen. I'm going to leave, and but what the Father is going to do is he's going to send a different helper, a different advocate, a different counselor, someone who's like me, referring to himself another advocate, counselor, like me, he's going to send another one, the spirit of truth, talking about the Holy Spirit. And this spirit will help you and be with you forever, which is distinct, one, from the person, the physical person of Jesus who is about to physically leave. But, and it's also distinct from what he has done in the past. The Holy Spirit has come 
only on certain people and only temporarily. But what he is about to do is he's about to send the Holy Spirit to be, to indwell, to be with all believers all the time and to not ever leave. And we see this story play out in Acts chapter 2, and it's called Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to each, came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we got this wild story where Jesus basically tells them after he leaves, I want you to wait. And when you wait, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And so they're waiting for an undetermined amount of days and then ultimately are in this room when the Holy Spirit comes and fills them for the first time. And there's kind of this miraculous outpouring. They start speaking in other languages. They go outside and start talking in all these other languages. People are hearing them in different languages. And then Peter starts to preach and he's preaching and everybody is hearing in in their own language. And it says 3,000 people came to know Jesus that day. And so we see there the beginning of the fulfillment of this promise that Jesus made in John chapter 14, that the Holy Spirit would come, that he would come to help them and he would be with them forever. Again, which is very different than what the Holy Spirit was doing in the Old Testament, which was to come to select people, um, to come to select people, but only temporarily. Now in John chapter 16, uh, Jesus says even more about what the Holy Spirit is going to do when he comes. John chapter 16, starting verse 7. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. So whatever it is Jesus about to say is pretty wild because he's their, he's their master. He's God. They've, they've come to understand this. They're really sad that he's about to die and he's about to leave. And he's like, man, it's actually for your good that I'm going to go because it's for your good that I'm going, unless I go away, the advocate, and again, that's the word we just saw, the advocate, the counselor, talking about the the Holy Spirit. He will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So what Jesus is saying here is like, it's actually to your advantage that I go. Because me as God, the son in this body, I can only at this point be one place at one time. When the Holy Spirit comes, he is going to be able to be with all of you simultaneously, no matter where you are. He's going to be everybody's own personal advocate, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter where you happen to be at that time, the Holy Spirit will be present with you. And one of his primary jobs is described here. He is going to convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. He's going to let people know that, you know, with because of your sin, you are separated from God. About sin, because people do not believe in me. You're going to, people are going to come to understand that, that without Jesus, their sin has separated them. He's going to talk to them about righteousness and about what it means to get right with God, to be in right standing with God, and talk to them about judgment, that, that sin has a consequence. So he's going to talk about to the, that to the world in general um, when he comes and lives inside the apostles, but he does that individually for each one of us as well to help us understand 
the significance and the consequences of sin, what it means to be right with God, and the significance of judgment. So it's at this point that people will also all typically stop and say, well, this sounds a whole lot like your conscience. Like you've got this conscience that's like, okay, well, I don't know if this is the right thing to do or not. And you got this voice inside you, hey, you need to do the right thing. And then if you do the wrong thing, you're like, man, you shouldn't have done that. That was the wrong thing. And I want to make sure that we understand that what we're talking about here is very different than your voice. Now, there's no doubt that you have different voices that are playing around in your head that are telling you to do different things. And some of them are good voices. Some of them are bad voices. But we're not talking about your best voice here. We are talking about the God of the universe, the Holy Spirit coming to indwell you. First Corinthians 3 talks about that, that the Holy Spirit will come and indwell you. In Galatians 3, it talks about that the Holy Spirit is going to baptize you, is going to take you and place you into God's kingdom. And for Ephesians 1, it says that Holy Spirit is going to seal you to make sure that you know and that God knows that you are his forever. So the God of the universe puts you in God's family, seals you so you be with him forever. And then it says, comes to indwell you. So you have amongst the many voices that may be rattling around in your head as you're trying to make a decision or determine what is right. You've now got God's voice as one of those voices. And I think that one of the most critical things that is important for every Christian is to learn to distinguish from those voices, to understand the difference between your conscience, your guilt, your motivator, and the voice of God. And that, and that is a very challenging thing. And that again, that's not just its own podcast. That's its own series of five podcasts. But I'll, I'll say this. The Holy Spirit will convict you and tell you that that was wrong. But the Holy Spirit is never going to shame you and tell you that you are a terrible person, that you are unworthy of God's love. He's never, he brings conviction, but doesn't bring shame. So I think one of the most important things that you can do is to learn to distinguish those voices. The one that brings you shame, the one that tells you that you are now, because of what you've done, you have become unworthy of the love of God. That is never God's voice. So listen to the one that tells you to not do the bad thing, that when you do the bad thing says, bro, shouldn't have done that, but also is always going to point you towards the love of God, never make you feel like you are being pulled away from it. One of the ways that we can learn to hear that voice and we can learn to walk in that voice is found in Ephesians 5 where Paul is talking about being filled with the Spirit. Now, we've already heard in 1 Corinthians 3, this idea of being indwelled by the Spirit, that the, that the Spirit lives in you. But what Paul, and that is something that is true, again, from our theology, that is true of everyone at the moment in which you become a Christian. But what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 5 and being filled with the Spirit, it's not just talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit in you, but the level of influence and control that the Holy Spirit has. And in Ephesians 5, what Paul says, he says, do not get drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Now, one of the most unfortunate things here about this verse is that 
this verse which says don't get drunk, but instead be filled with the spirit is that we pretend like that what Paul was getting at here was, was he was making a, he was writing a verse about drunkenness. Ah, uh, you drink alcohol, oh, but don't get drunk, but don't get drunk. You know, that's what the Bible says. Don't get drunk. Don't get drunk. As if that's what Paul's talking about. He says it sure. And it's true, I guess, but that is not what Paul is talking about here. He's actually making a very complex and powerful metaphor about what the Holy Spirit can do if you, um, if you allow him. So the metaphor is this, don't get drunk, but instead be filled with the spirit. So he's making a parallel here and I will help you understand that parallel a little bit better, though. I believe you intuitively understand it. You just haven't been able to connect the dots. If you are say filled, not with capital S spirit, but filled with spirits, right? What happens is, is you take that something that is external to you, the alcohol, and you put it inside you. And if you get enough of that inside you, you are going to start behaving differently. It's still you. It's still you walking around, acting a fool, breaking things, jumping on things, being more bold than you normally would, being you know, louder than you normally would, crazier than you normally would, whatever. It's still you, but you've taken something external to you, placed it inside of you, and you have so much of it that it begins to have a significant amount of influence over your behavior. And Paul now makes a contrast. If you're going to be filled with something, don't be filled. Don't drink so much that the alcohol takes over, but instead be filled with the spirit. Have so much of this, uh, of, of this, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, that is external to you. It's external to you. Have so much of it in you that it begins to take over. He begins to take over. He begins to be in control. It's still you making the decisions. It's still you doing it. But the Holy Spirit, this external person that now lives inside you, you are so filled with the Holy Spirit. There's so much influence that his decision-making begins to take center stage. And so how do you do that? How are you allowed to be filled with the Spirit? And again, I would like to suggest, again, it comes down to voices. You've got a lot of voices that are speaking to you. Which of them are you allowing to be loudest? And which of those voices are you listening to? The ones you listen to will become the loudest. The ones that you fuel will become the loudest. The ones you ignore become the softest. What are some things that you can do in order to fuel the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life? Lots of different things. Some of them are just very simple, basic Christian things. You should read and hear the Bible more where he is now giving you more voice. You should be praying more, talking to God. You should be quiet more and allow God's voice to speak. You quiet all your voices and see what God does. Um, respond When you do hear God's voice, respond to it positively. Do the thing that the Spirit is telling you to do. Stop doing the thing that the Spirit is telling you not to do. By, by, by following the Holy Spirit's advice, by giving his voice more volume through prayer and through reading his word, you will find yourself to be filled more with the Spirit. And ultimately, his voice and his presence will be louder in your life. Now, I would ha- I'll have to, I have to at least pause here and say, man, you talked about Pentecost and they're speaking in tongues. You talk about being filled with the Spirit. 
He said in, in Galatians 3, it says, everybody is baptized in the Spirit, but I grew up in a church that said something different, or I got this friend, they go to a different type of church, and they say something different about that. And again, that's going to be its own podcast series when we talk about maybe some varying controversies that go on in the church. But there are some different ideas out there in Christianity about what it means to be filled or baptized with the Spirit, the importance of spiritual gifts, the importance of tongues in particular as a spiritual gift. And we will, I promise, we will spend some time talking about that. But I understand that there's a difference. And the difference comes from churches that say are more Pentecostal or more charismatic in nature. And ultimately what they believe is that the Holy Spirit does two distinct works. There's what he does when you become a Christian, when you get you get indwelled, you get sealed. But the baptism of the Spirit is something that happens secondarily. So there are two permanent works that God does. One, when you become a Christian, and the second, at a secondary time, when you are baptized or filled with the Spirit. And those are two distinct things that will happen, but they're both permanent. And what we are teaching is something different, that there is a permanent work that he does when you become a believer. And then there is some up and down work that happens when you are filled or not filled based on your walk at the time, based on your spirituality at the time, your ability to listen and follow the Spirit. And so that baptism and dwelling, sealed, all of these things happen when you become a Christian. And really what the filling is, is how good a job you are doing at listening and allowing the Spirit to have control. And so one is a permanent thing that God does. And the second is how your particular personal relationship with God happens to be manifesting at a particular time. And again, that's two different ideas out there. And I recognize that. And there'll be some time where we'll just kind of delve in a little bit deeper, talk about the more differences between what we believe at the Grove Church about the work and person of the Holy Spirit versus what some of your more charismatic churches do. But I don't want to dwell on that because I want to spend more time just really focusing on the things that really unite us and that are really more important for all Christians to believe and understand is one is that you have access to the God of the universe, a person in the Trinity to come in and indwell you and to guide and lead, lead you in your life. We all believe that. And it's, it's absolutely foundational that we understand and believe that. And so we need to learn to hear this voice. We need to learn to hear the Holy Spirit and allow him, his presence, his voice on our life to become stronger and stronger. And so again, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a part of this. And again, we're going to continue to talk theology. We're going to continue to talk about the things that are are critical for us to believe and understand in order to, to be a Christian, to walk as a Christian. And so I encourage you to continue to join us on our Cultivate podcast. And if you are in Northwest Arkansas, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning. If you can check us out at thegrovechurch.org slash connect, you can learn about what's going on. We would love to see you, connect with you. And if you're not, man, you can check us out anyway. We are always streaming our services. You can go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect. If you're listening, we would love to know it. You have any questions? Man, please let us know. We would love to connect with you either in person or online. And again, thanks so much for joining us.